Welcome to the Culture and Cafecito podcast. I am your host, Natalia Montoya Casanova, culture coach and consultant. Here on the show, I'll challenge you to explore all the broad definitions of culture, how you relate to culture, and develop new ways to approach the world and people around you. You'll hear from experts, leaders, and extraordinary people of all industries who have expertise and curiosity for sharing and exploring the nuanced and all-encompassing topic of culture. These conversations will help you redefine your thinking as an individual and as a leader in order to more meaningfully collaborate, communicate, and connect with your teams and your communities. Well, hello again to another episode of the Culture and Cafecito podcast. This is episode nine, Culture, Healing, and the Immigrant Experience in Corporate America. On today's episode, we chat with Ana Polanco, coach and leader for Black, Indigenous, and Women of Color and Social Change Organizations. On this episode, we talk about the immigrant experience in the pursuit of the American dream and how we as women can support the culture building process in corporate America. We cover how we can fully embrace our identities to reimagine how we can work differently and how we can begin healing from systems that have systematically oppressed us. Let's get started. All right. Hello, Anna. How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today uh, for another episode of Culture and Cafecito. Um, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well considering all the things happening in the world. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, for sure. Um, I've definitely been thinking a lot about my family back home and um, in the midst of, you know, having so many opportunities here, kind of like <laughs> thinking about what that means for me culturally and oh, there's a lot of feelings that come up there for sure um, yeah. I but I'm really glad to have you here um, on the Culture and Cafecito podcast I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself so for anyone who does not know me my name is Natalia Montoya Casanova I know it's a mouthful um, but today you know many things but today I am your culture coach and consultant um, it's a lofty title but um, you know I um, I say that I'm your culture coach and consultant um, Ultimately, it's a, it's a paradox of a name, right? I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I can't teach culture. In fact, as we know, culture is co-created um, and therefore I'm simply a champion of culture. Um, so I'm really, um, you know, in the space of where I work, I support and provide coaching one-on-one to young professionals like myself who are kind of navigating the corporate world grind um, and also looking forward to connecting with executive leaders to provide them um, trainings on uh, culture building and or corporate wellness. Um, so that's the vein where I'm um, working and I'm really looking forward to connecting with you on this conversation of culture. So what is culture in cafecito? Um, again, it's um, this is a podcast that began really from a conversation with my grandpa. <laughs> so yeah, so in Colombia, as you know, I was born in Pasto in Nariño in the South and um, every Friday after or every day really at like 5 p.m. My, my grandpa would be like, oh, mijita, mijita, like here, um, here's your tinto, right? Your cafecito. And we would have like chats for about like an hour and a half about life, about stories, about things that really connected and grounded us. Um, so culture and cafecito um, 
you know, it was really born from my need for connection, my need for wanting to communicate and really reconnect with my roots, but also to connect that same way with other people, especially in the midst of this pandemic where um, to some extent that sense of connection was lost. Um, so um, culture and cafecito, we bring on experts like yourself to talk about what culture means um, so that we can start to look at um, this topic in a different way or start to redefine it collectively um, or individually and even as a community. Um, so I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and your work in your own personal life and experience um, as to how you define culture um, and what you think we can do, um, you know, together <laughs> um, to, to start thinking about it differently. So uh, pass it over to you. Uh, if you could please introduce yourself. Yes. I, um, before I introduce myself, I feel like you should maybe call yourself a culture champion. That's how that rang really well when you said it. So <laughs> something to think about. And um, your story about, you know, having a team for, it's just bringing me back home um, to my own family in Bogota and how much um, of our life is shaped around sitting with family members for a cup of coffee at all, so many times of the day. <laughs> I wish I could just say it was just five o'clock, but I mean, my aunts are extremely determined uh, around this, this cafecito time. And so, you know, there are many hours of the day they wanna um, pause and, and have that talk and that coffee. And I guess yeah. it's, it says a lot about me, you know, um, so I'm Ana Polanco. Um, I'm the daughter of Colombian Dominican parents who migrated to, to the United States in search of so many things. Um, we'll just call that freedom for now, the placeholder. And I'm a, um, a coach for primarily for women of color who are in leadership roles, um, some in executive roles, who really want to change the shape of their leadership and to make it relevant to this moment in time. And what I really mean by that is that all the things that got us here culturally in the United States in particular, but I think some of it plays true in other countries um, where people of color find themselves um, uh, as part of a, a marginalized group, a minority group, is that we're really trying to figure out how to lead in what is um, a largely colonized system. I mean, we're, we are, we're coming from an era of of colonization. And, and the sooner we can see that with clear eyes, the more powerful um, stance we can have in terms of leadership and, and what is it that we want. And so I'm happy to join you today to talk about this stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I agree with that. The theme though is not just at 5 p.m. It's definitely like all hours of the day. Whenever you're bored or you need a break, just get the theme though. Um, and for sure, I think, wow, hearing, um, you know, even the nature of how your, your background is not just like two-sided, you have many other cultures come together, creates a much more complex dynamic, even in how you think about yourself and how you move through the world. Um, so the, the work that you're doing is really important. Um, um, you know, thinking about our experience as immigrants, <laughs> I think is really, really important. So 
thank you for sharing that. So that's um, you sharing a little bit about your personal experience and how it impacts your work. But could you speak a little bit more as to um, how that, you know, that story or what aspects of your story um, has impacted the work that you're currently doing with BPOC populations or specifically with women? Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, so the work that I'm currently doing, well, so there's a, a variety of work that I'm doing. The primary work I see is, is coaching work, is culture shifting work. Mm -hmm. And in, in the context I'm working in with women of color, it really is about them having, and us includes me, having a space to honor the cultural experiences that we have had that are not honored in our everyday life. And so what is that, right? What are those cultural experiences? But they're unique, of course, to every, every background, um, every racial identity, every ethnicity, indigeneity. But they're also about ancestral practices that have really held, nurtured, and supported us and really are the roots of our values as women. Wow. So when you when you talk to women from women of color in particular, they are thinking about um, not just how to um, advance, mm -hmm. you know, economically or socially. They're thinking about what it will mean for the communities they're a part of, and they're thinking about who to bring along and how to do that in a way that that is mindful and that is inclusive and makes maybe even more room that they'll get to enjoy. So sometimes the fruits of the labor are not for us, they're for the next generation. Wow, that's really, really powerful. Oof. That makes me think a lot about my mom. <laughs> how she like, yeah, everything that she does revolves around like how she can bring more, you know, well-being to other people and how she does that for sure. Um, a question on that, do you, uh, as you're working with, um, women of color who are in the space and you're coaching them, do you find that you're going through those processes um, in every aspect of their life? Or is it just kind of like on the personal side? Um, how do you integrate that connection um, in the work, in the workspace, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, everybody comes thinking, I want to figure out what my next career is. I want to figure out if I should leave my career and become an entrepreneur. Um, I want to figure out what my next creative project is. And once we get in the space, mm -hmm. there's a real big exhale around some common themes. Mm, okay. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I, I haven't met a woman of color yet who hasn't told me they're not exhausted. I'm um, not, um, the gifts that I have are not being fully received. Wow. They're not seen, they're not, they're not received in a way that really brings joy to and, and reflection of who I am. I'm not sure what my purpose is, or I feel like I might have more than one purpose. Right. So for those people who are like passionate about multiple projects or multiple dreams, they're not able to manifest that. And that inevitably leaks into their like their overall life. You know, are you living a whole and full life. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I haven't met one yet. <laughs> you know, people are working on it. We're working on it. 
you know, and that's, that's the whole goal of that Wild Dreams program is to bring more women of color, to, to block out the space and the time to be in community together, to work through what does it mean to have a whole life? What does it mean to be fully seen, whether it's at work or at home or in the service projects that they might be doing outside of that? Wow. Oh my goodness. So the three things that you said is I'm exhausted. The gifts I have are not being fully received or I'm not sure what my purpose is. Meaning I'm kind of feeling like there's many things I can do. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely felt these and I would think that if I feel these to some extent and I'm a, you know, I'm a white female, I can't imagine how others might feel for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. As As I'm thinking about this, I think a lot about the, the duality that is me feeling like, um, to some extent, like it's like work on my passion project and feel fulfilled and not exhausted, right? Use my gifts versus like go into the corporate world where I may experience a complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the battle I fight even as a like a, a woman myself in the workplace because there's this this nurturing part of me that wants to focus on these three things that you just said, right? Mm-hmm. But then battling the kind of the my internal understanding of like now being in this society as an immigrant where I have to somehow kind of forgo this, right. To mm-hmm. be able to um, make a living or pay off my loans because I've been introduced into the system where there's just, there's just a lot, <laughs> you know? It's a lot. Yeah. I love what you're sharing because it's a, it's a wonderful example for immigrant women, but I think for all women, about the colonization process, Mm -hmm. right? We're really talking about how the system works on us and co-ops us to buy in to a survival strategy, which is who's gonna perform in this system and then get the reward, all right? And what are the rewards and who gets to say what those are? I mean, that is the system of work that we have, whether you're in corporate, nonprofit, and I would dare to say even government. There are very few spaces where it isn't about um, a system of performance based on who who can endure the longest. And I remember in my 20s, you know, starting out as a organizer working in, um, in economic justice movements, and really seeing that 60, 70, 80 hour work week as a badge of honor, that it was sort of culturally told to us without, you know, saying it out loud, right? Or being explicit that you should work those hours, that you should give yourself over to work exclusively. And my friends on the corporate side were doing the same. Mm -hmm. They were also working 60, 70, 80 hours, people in finance, people in um, some of the financial market sectors, even on the marketing side, were working these enormous hours and there were no boundaries in sight other than this is what women have to do to perform and move up in the ladder to be seen and heard. And then you compound that, right, that system of reward with... um, the preferences that people have based on our identities, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's incredibly complex and it's disheartening. And I think it's confusing, particularly for immigrant women who are like, wait, 
this isn't how it works at home, you know. <laughs> like, you no, know? I mean, if we can we can take Colombia is an interesting example. Um, while there are many things that Colombia could be working on, you know, there is some level of a social safety net that catches quite a few people. There, there are healthcare systems. There are um, ways of being, right, that kind of help to keep moving the floor. And, and that's just not the case here. That the systemic problems that have um, happened historically, right, thinking back to the foundation of the country and how its economic system was built on slavery until now have compounded. And so really when you look at pe people um, who are um, in different lower economic statuses, middle economic statuses, they're just not able to close the gap, right? Financially or otherwise. So of course, it's an incredible incentive to perform in the system. Oh and then God. it's survival of the fittest, right? <laughs> it definitely is, it definitely is. Man, um, and as and just so your audience knows, as I've been speaking to you earlier, I'm in the kind of process of evaluating, you know, if I should transition to um, a corp, you know, uh, a big corporate job. And let's just say that I feel uncomfortable in that, you know, like I've been feeling into the uncomfortableness that is like, whoa, shiny new object in the corner that's telling me this is right, but something within me is like, wait, but is that really in alignment with my values? And so. That's what you know. I shared with you. Um, I've been trying to understand that. Like I've already had this trajectory of experiencing potentially some toxicity and knowing how to deal with it and approaching it differently, but also kind of coming to the table of seeing like how can I bridge those two things that are somehow like I can't find a, like you know I can't find a way to I can't even put a name on how that experience feels within me because it's so uncomfortable. It's like. You know, my parents are like, wow, great job. Like, this is amazing. And then some other part of me is like, yeah, but you know, this will be really hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Of the immigrant experience kind of um, starts to take over for me because it's like survival is definitely one of those main things. Yeah. yeah. My mom, I mean, what you're saying resonates so much. And I'm remembering a story um, and my mom and I were having a conversation about this exchange that happens when you and you immigrate to the United States. And she described it really beautifully the other day to me. She said, um, people come to the United States looking for freedom, looking for opportunity. And immigrants quickly find out that they have to give up a part of their heart and soul in exchange for that. And it just really hit me in the gut. And I realized in that moment that that was a great description. She just had a great description of the experience I was having with pursuing possibly a dream that was not mine um, to begin with, or that somehow the underpinning values of that dream and how it should be accomplished didn't fit with my personal narrative. Wow. Oh my Yeah. God. It's tough. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely tough. Um, I don't know if, if women that you work with ever find resolve in that. Um, and, and if they arrive at that in a way that's kind of like, you know, it's very decisive. It's like, you can't have it all almost. It's kind of this feeling of like, yeah. yeah. And, and maybe what they're asking now, I don't think there's resolve yet, you know, to just be really direct about it. I think what happens is like, we have an opening right now, mm -hmm. like COVID, 
the social unrest, things that are happening globally, it's just creating an opening for us to be more reflective and to say, is this what I want my life to be like? What is the value of working this way? And you can see it now as people begin to return to work. Um, some, some companies have already started, some never stopped, right? And, and when I say return to work, I just mean return to the office because we all know everybody's been working this whole time. Um, but a huge percentage of people in recent studies have said, I don't want to go back to the office. You know, that's sort of like this aha moment, right? It's like, yeah. I don't want to go back to the office. I don't yeah. need to see you in like 10 meetings, you know, in one day. <laughs> I can get my work done in three, you know, or four or whatever. So I think people are exploring their desires and women in particular. And that's exciting for us, right? Because it means there's going to be a whole generation or a couple of generations that are going to really change what it looks like to succeed and maybe even redefine it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's exactly where we're heading for sure. Speaking yeah. um, into redefining, like what, what opportunities do we now have as women um, to be able to redefine that? You know, I recently had a conversation with, uh, we were talking about like maternity policy at work and I was like, oh yeah, like make sure to include Cassandra. Like she's a woman of color. She needs to be at the table, <laughs> you know, like, yes. <laughs> yes. and so, that like what other opportunities could you see like were coming for women to be able to like actively play a role in that culture shift right absolutely absolutely I mean we have to be really serious about um, asking when we're interviewing right what is the culture of the organization Mm -hmm. um, or the company are my gifts going to be received Um, will there be opportunities for experimentation, for leadership, for voice, for just reimagining mm-hmm. what the work is. And that, that may be um, different depending on the sector that you're in. So the first thing I would say is just like, really think about your values. What do you want at this time in your life? It may change, right? But for now, We can do the exercise of taking a values-driven approach to our workplace. And then start to think about all the benefits that make your life more holistic, more possible. Um, We take it for granted that there's going to be healthcare. Not every company and organization in America has healthcare for their employees. So Right? So we have to keep an eye on that. And not just at the workplace, but we should be advocating for it. Mm-hmm. Particularly because when, um, when women have access to healthcare, more likely than not, their whole family is going to have access to healthcare. Right. And so we know that we're transferring our, our resources, right? Our access to resource to the whole family. And then thinking, yeah, thinking about um, parental leave, thinking about paid leave. I think we're one of the, the few, you know, quote unquote developed countries that still doesn't have like an extended paid leave for women, wow. which is incredible. Um, you know, in comparison to say like Germany um, or some other countries where there is a really extensive paid leave. And And then I think we need to think about, and some places have this by sector, is um, 
how are we moving around debt? Around debt, is that what you said? Around debt, yeah. To debt or debt? Let me just debt, debt, that financial <laughs> academic loans that oh, we took man. out <laughs> to cover expenses. I mean, we promised multiple generations that there would be um, a cost of living in relationship to the debt that they had when they came out of school. Yeah, and that's just not the case. <laughs> we all know, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh it's man, I'm so <laughs> we're we're preventing multiple generations from really, really living into the lifestyle and the life that they want. Starting businesses, you know, women of color start small businesses faster than any other group. Yeah. So, so how can we eliminate the barriers? that would prevent people from pursuing entrepreneurship, which has grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. And largely because people are unhappy about some of the structures that work, right? They're not able to develop their creativity, their ideas, they're not being heard. So they're growing them on their own, taking back their time. Taking back their power, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't wanna work 80 hours a week and it's actually not that productive. Exactly right, yeah, oh man. Yeah. Who was I talking to recently? Oh my God, I have a my astrologer, my astrologa. Easy. <laughs> was um, giving me an observation re- recently. She's like, you know, on Instagram, I see everybody becoming coaches lately, and this it's like this very like interesting nuance for her. She's observing it. It's like literally the act of doing that or like becoming like the spokesman about something that even you don't even know is is your attempt at retaking back power, like an internal need for that, you know. Um, so I found that super amazing because I do see that left and right. And I'm just simply observing, like I even observe it in myself. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to like change. But I'm ready to like step into my truth in a way that I haven't before. But before I was afraid of it. Now mm. there's like this kind of indignation, kind of like, I'm going to do it now, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, and so definitely I, I do, I do sense that, <laughs> that shift. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's big. And I love you naming it as power. Um, what what is the power we have to define the direction that we want in our lives, right? What what does that look like? And work is a part of that, of course, but it's not the only part, you know. Yeah, for sure. But as I'm thinking through it, it's like when I when I think about my own personal power in any situation I'm in, um, I I oftentimes think that a lot of what I've experienced in the past in work environments is that there like there there's this very thin line of like me exerting my own personal power but then also recognizing the barriers that bumps into mm-hmm. um so uh, i guess i'm only saying that because as i'm thinking through like what this new opportunity will look like i'm curious to know how even like the pandemic has impacted a big consulting firm you know and how that how that will um will whether the 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 extent to which i have some some more voice or power, or if it really just depends on me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, when, right. we work, when we work for others, you know, it's a mutuality, right? It is about a give and take. Okay. And there is, we have to play our part, right? Mm-hmm. We have to play our part and set boundaries. And it, this is definitely a, a key topic that comes up in all the coaching that I do. They're really a lot of women, women of color, immigrant women working without any boundaries whatsoever. I mean, because of that performative culture, 
right? And because there's a perception that if you just stay those extra 10 hours, you're going to get there and they're going to see you. And the truth that we need to face is if they don't see you, right, truly see your gifts and receive them probably in the first 30 days, you're probably at the wrong job. Right, right, right. That's a tough pill to swallow because it means we need to be really using not just our mind, but our body, our intuition to really perceive how people are seeing us and seeing what we can bring. Wow. <laughs> we don't have a lot of practice doing that, you know, or some more than others. So, so that's the practice that we can start to like tap into in order to engage that. I mean, our bodies do hold a lot of information. I was recently reading uh, My Body Keeps Score. I don't know if you read that book. And so, yeah, I mean, I started reading that because I actually went through a very traumatic experience back in February. And I, and I realized that our bodies do have so much knowledge that we somehow forgo, right? Like we like, we're like, oh, like our intuition is telling us something and somehow a message from society comes through or like, and then we kind of, I don't know, like we smush it like we're like no ignore that yeah. it's like still there yeah um is yeah. There, and so as you're thinking about that is there some way that we can as women tap into that more and bring it to light to others so that they could start to do that as well in the workplace absolutely, absolutely. i mean i think you and i both know the power of a yoga practice and <laughs> you know, when you find the right community and you find the right teachers um that are serious about the practice. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is that they're not trying to bypass what is in front of you. And you're actually really trying to meet yourself and say, what are the things I need to work on? Mm -hmm. Yoga can be such a powerful place for that. And it's so important to develop our intuition and develop a relationship to our body. And I think somatics is a powerful place for us to begin to do that work. It's not the only place. And so what really matters is that um, there are so many options right now that like women could choose from any, any possible direction. And now you have shamans and Reiki and family constellations and any number of healing practices and energy work. So the key is to try, try things on, right? See, see what you like. And, and then once you find a practice to really commit to it, because the only way to break some of the habits that we have is to work them out of our body. And it takes time and it takes practice. It won't be overnight. Oh my yeah. goodness. So for anyone who doesn't know, could you just speak into a little bit more of what somatics is and how that works or how do you initiate that process? That makes sense. Yeah. You spoke into it a little bit, but just so for yeah. anyone who doesn't know. So somatics is the practice of meeting the body, right? The meeting the body. It's like, hi, this is your body. Check in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's check in. So something to say um, at any moment of the day as we're having experiences, right? And it is about learning to recognize the signals that are coming from the body. We spend a million hours trying to solve everything from the brain, from the mind, right? From the top, we'll say from the top, right? Because our tendency is to say, well, the brain, is, the brain is in my head and therefore the head has the answers. Yeah. 
Right? Not, not so. <laughs> it has a lot of answers, not all the answers. And how many times have you had a feeling in your stomach or on the, on the left side where you're like, oh, I just felt everything tighten up and this doesn't feel good, but I'm just going to work along with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. Yeah. So can we actually find out what that tightening is, for example, right? What, when is it showing up in our day? Is it a relationship that's strained at work or at home? Are we um, feeling pressure in our throats because we haven't been heard? Mm -hmm. Or there's something we have to say and we haven't gotten it out yet, right? So every part of the body is storing a set of signals, essentially. Mm -hmm. We have to learn how to communicate with it. Once we know what that part is trying to tell us, then we can begin a practice of um, teaching ourselves a new mantra, teaching ourselves a new um, purpose statement, right? That reaffirms the opposite of what is happening or amplifies it. Yeah. If it's really trying to say something positive, right? Right, wow, very nice. Yeah, I think I very recently started um, delving into um, muscle testing and how like, it's kind of like if you put like an apple in front of you, right? The simplest thing you could do is like, do, do ask yourself, do you want this? Or like, do I want this apple? And see if your body leans forward or back. And like your body will tell you like, do I want it or not? And like that will, it's very subtle. And it's so hard because it is so subtle, you know? That's right. And it sounds, and it's, it's slow, mm -hmm. right? What you're describing is it's not only just subtle, it's slow. And we live in a culture that is fast. Mm -hmm. right? So how do we break up with the fast pace and just say, yeah, I'm going to be present every moment and check in to see what I need yeah oh my goodness yeah that's so important that's like me at the end of the day I'm like thinking like oh I need to I need to check off but my brain is telling me keep going like that's keep going yeah that I internally can, can relate yeah. to for sure wow yeah. like, um, these are just good tools for people to have in the back of their minds as they're kind of thinking through their own process as well but I wanted to go back to one thing you said earlier Anna is about your own immigrant experience and, um, and you know, I always think about like, everything is always very transversal. And what I mean by that is like how I experienced one thing or what, what they say, like what, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Um, but I also think like how I experience one thing is sometimes how I experience everything. So like I walk in the world as a Colombian American, mm. I migrated at the age of seven, right? Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to kind of pull this story back because I really wanted to react to it. Um, and I've always struggled um, with that idea of like, ni de aquí, ni de allá, you know, like the, from here and from there, so like from where, <laughs> you know, like, um, and I remember talking to a professor about it and he, and he was like, I'm like, would you go back to Colombia? Like, is it, you know, and so I wanted to tell you a story that kind of happened to me in, in the beginning of 2020. I said, you know, I'm over this, like, I'm done with America. Like, no one loves me here. And I decided to go back to Colombia to like, I was like, I'm gonna go back to live. Like I'm going back to my roots because there was this like intense need for me to be able to like connect with my family with where I came from because I, to some extent felt like uprooted from it. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and so I 
when when I came here, there's even in the experiences that I live day to day, there's always that un, like that feeling of uh, uncomfortableness around like having many and dual uh, backgrounds, right? Um, and how that shows up in the workplace or with other people, right? Um, how and so the question around this for you is how how can we bring all of those different facets of ourselves to the table in a way that like doesn't make us feel afraid or you know, I've heard some people that said like, thank you, Natalia, you've inspired me to not, you know, be afraid of my Colombian background. I'm like, why would you be ever afraid of it? Like there's some people that to some extent have to like push down something that's their roots in order to fit into the new. So how can we bring together all those aspects of ourselves that are important, interrelated, but to somehow also have been pushed down by where we're currently, like the current experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one should push down their cultural experience. It is their experience. It's unique to them, right? Even, even amongst Colombians, right? Each of us is having a, a unique experience based on so many factors. And I don't know that it's necessary or that I even bring my whole self every single time. Oh, wow. Okay. I think that I live on the border. Yeah, 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 right. I I I live with one foot in each place, mm -hmm. and that's a big responsibility, right? We have to know what's happening in one place. We have to know what's happening in the other, and we have to sort of um, navigate the two worlds. And so I've accepted that I'm a navigator, that I I live there consciously, and what it's allowed me to do over time is to take different hats on and off when it feels relevant. So for example, yes, my parents are Colombian Dominican. My parents are also both indigenous. My parents are also, one parent is black, the other parent is white, right? And so, Thanks. right, so there's a lot of richness there. And then their descendancy lines also have other uh, roads or other borders um, to be met. And so, and then I'm also identified as a woman, right? Um, so, so I learned to take on and off um, different hats and wow. also to trust that other people are going to say what needs to be said, that I don't have to carry the water for the whole. That's not my job. Wow. I think that's definitely something I need to work on. <laughs> Trying yeah. on different hats. Um, because for me, that the experience of doing that uh, a lot of guilt comes up, you know, like, um, I'll give you an example, like when my mom comes around and she doesn't, you know, she has her broken Spanish, it creates a sense of like shame for me or like, oh, why, right? But then when I'm around her, I'm just like speaking in Spanish and there's just, and so for me trying on those different hats or like exploring how I should interact when like I have many cultures around me, when my mom is my boyfriend, my roommate, they're all from different backgrounds. There's like these feelings of guilt that come up around like, mm. I do it right. Um, yeah. Do it right, quote unquote. Do it right. Yeah. What is that? Right. That's yeah. still that that singular fit. It's like somebody wants you to fit into a cog in a wheel, mm -hmm. and it's just you can resist that. <laughs> wow. Like I don't have to. <laughs> that's that's the key. Just resist it. Just resist it. It's not for you. That's right. Wow. Okay. So why even look at it? It's like this person who's speaking to you is trying to get you to fit into this cog in the wheel. 
clearly mm-hmm. doesn't see you right. and probably doesn't deserve your time. Wow. 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 Yeah. It's so interesting. I never, ex- I, I didn't think about that until we just spoke into it. Like it's, it's definitely a very prevalent experience in my life, but one that I have not afforded myself the opportunity to, to be with because that's yeah. sometimes up uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> you're in yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really, you know, on this question of language, cause it comes up so often, um, both because I speak two languages, you know, I live in two worlds, but I don't speak those languages perfectly. Um, I don't, I don't consider that I speak English perfectly, you know? And so, um, I think people miss the point about language. Mm-hmm. It's about us getting to know each other, communicating, building a connection, right? That's, that's what matters. And so what we need to do is be present to that and really, really say, it doesn't matter if I said it exactly right. Mm-hmm. What matters is that I said something to you and that you heard it. Oh, wow. Wow, can you repeat that one more time? Just <laughs> what matters when we're speaking to each other is not so much that um, I said something perfectly, but it's more important that you understood it enough that we could communicate, right? Wow. We could communicate. That's all that matters. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's very healing to hear. It's very yeah. Let's give people grace, right? Don't people deserve grace? They're migrating all over the world. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah. Wow, wow. Thank you. Is there anything else that comes up for you as we're talking about all this? Um, I just wanted to know, just to check in. <laughs> I just think what you're doing is wonderful. I'm so proud of you. So excited for you, and I hope I hope you have lots of success on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah, a lot of people have told me that to some extent, this is very cathartic. Um, but for me, I learn a lot, right? I'm learning a lot because I, I don't have the answers and I don't pretend to at all. Um, and oftentimes I'm more perplexed by my own confusion and uncomfortable um, and wondering how people are arriving at their own conclusions. So being able to open up the space for people to share um, I think is very important. <laughs> so. yeah, yes, that's a noble cause and one that we should all be taking up. So way to go, culture champion. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, culture champion. In fact, someone else told me that as well. Um, I'm not, I'm not fit yet to be the the coach that I envision, but I'm working on my in my on my way to just really um, thinking through what that actually means. You know, for sure. Um, and so um, let's see, just a few more questions. Is there anything else that you would kind of recommend in the space of like culture building? Um, you, we've, let's see, we've spoken about, um, you know, us as women, what we can do um, to support the culture building process as we're kind of like moving in this corporate world and uh, the corporate, even just like the pan- post pandemic life, mm-hmm. uh, our immigrant experience and how we can kind of be more present with it through probably somatics and things like that. Um, and I also just wanted to know if you from like working with executive leaders, um, what, what would you say or what, you know, as you're working with executives and uh, what are a few things that you might recommend to DNI um, um, leaders who are working in DNI initiatives, that one thing that they could think about or do um, to again, refocus 
or reorient a company or think about mm -hmm. much more? Yeah, yeah. I'm in no position to give advice to DNI leaders. It's a huge sector. It's very complex. And um, I've never, although people have named my work as DNI work, I have never called it such. Mm -hmm. I always think about it as simply as culture building and cultural awareness. And, and then thinking about how we build a sufficient relationship so that we can actually start working on impact. So that's the way I think about my teamwork, the work that I do with teams. And if I could have teams do anything around issues of diversity or inclusion or equity, which often gets left off the table, very strategically so, it would be to actually consider impact. Yeah. To actually consider impact. Many companies, many nonprofit organizations, many places in the public sector claim that they're having an impact mm -hmm. and believe that it is a linear process. I don't believe it's a linear process. You know, as someone um, with indigenous roots, I believe that our processes are circular and that they're rooted in two things. Mm -hmm. Do we have um, reverence and do we have respect? for what we're trying to change, right? So take racism. Racism is a great one. Lots of companies are trying to work on this. Do we respect the problem? Mm -hmm. And if we did, how would that change our outlook, right? Do we have reverence for the people who are impacted? and most impacted. And if we did have reverence, what would we do differently? Wow. It changes things, it changes things. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, everything should come into balance with the planet. If it doesn't, then we're doing something wrong. It might be time to reevaluate. Wow, thank you so much for that. That's a really great one. Is there anything else you would wanna add or share here? Based on what we've discussed. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> We're so rich. There's so much. <laughs> yeah, I feel good about it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think you hit on all the questions I had. Um, and really, um, thank you so much also for the opportunity for me to be able to share my own story with you. Um, Beautiful. And um, as I continue to do my own work, um, I would love to know, you know, even you as a, as a coach of uh, women, what, you know, what do you think I can do? Uh, myself, <laughs> knowing me, um, moving forward, right? Um, yeah. Is there anything you have for me um, that I can take forward based on what you know about me or, <laughs> or interaction? It sounds like and looks like you're trusting your gut. And so keep doing that. Day by day. <laughs> yeah. Keep doing that, right? Just keep doing that. Keep breathing into it. Keep opening up to that intuition that is innately born in every single person. Right? It's just simply gotten lost in the process. Right, 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 right. You can reclaim it whenever you want. Exactly. Hopefully that inspires others to do the same in the process. Yes, I hope so. Let's make yeah. everyone join us. <laughs> well, I have some last rapid fire questions for you. And then- Let's um, do it. <laughs> questions. So, um, so these are rapid fire. Again, they're inspirations from um, Dare to Lead from Brene Brown's work. 
Um, but again, they are um, just kind of whatever comes up, ready? Um, and then I'll finish up with a few other ones. So um, culture is blank. Culture is cool. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Um, the quick and dirty trick to collaborating effectively is? Having a tough as people. <laughs> Yeah, very nice. Okay. <laughs> that always makes it better. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. It's just, uh, it makes me warm inside. Um, let's see. Um, communication is hard because blank. We're not good at listening. Okay. It makes me uncomfortable when people don't hear me. <laughs> Got it. Um, Let's see. Community to me feels like. Oh, it feels like it's just a warm bath. Oh wow. Mm. Oof, woof. <laughs> That's nice with a bubble with a bath bomb, please. Yes. Sure. Very cool. Um, so uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Let's see. Um, I'll end on this um this one. What is one thing um that people often get wrong about you? This is from Daredevil. One thing that people often get wrong about me. Hmm. I think it's probably identity. It's that people see and make deductions based on what they see and whatever that means for them. And so, yeah, I think people get that wrong. <laughs> Very nice. Is there any um, one childhood memory that has majorly impacted how you move through the world? As I mentioned to you earlier, you know, um, the cafecitos with my grandpa really inspired me because I've been having them since I was like five with him. But is there any one childhood memory that has majorly impacted how you move through the world today? Oh, okay. The one that's coming to mind mm. is that as a child, I, in the winters here in New York, um, my parents would take me to the park and it would be like full on snow. And I would play and play until I fell asleep standing. And so you oh can just goodness. imagine this like little bundle standing there asleep, like not moving <laughs> in the snow. And what I, what I take from that image, which comes to me now and it comes to me often, is that it's important to rest, right? And nature has us, nature is holding us, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A beautiful ending. Thank you. Wow. That's an amazing. And the imagery that comes to mind when you say that is awesome. <laughs> cute. I could just see cute, like a little you falling asleep. Wow. With my little hood. <laughs> you know, always come back to the self, um, whichever self that is. Um, yeah, right. for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me for, again, a great episode of Culture and Cafecito, where we talk about culture and what it means. Thank you so much for sharing what it means to you and um, sharing from your experience and how we can, you know, start to collectively and co-creatively think about culture. So uh, thank you, Anna. I hope you have a great day. I'm going to pause it here now, okay? Well, thank you so much for joining me once again for the Culture and Cafecito podcast. I hope that you enjoy your coffee and hope that these conversations inspire you to keep connecting authentically. Have a great one and hope to see you soon.